Welcome to the Rockbrook Church Podcast. Our hope is that today's message brings you hope and clarity for your spiritual journey. We love hearing how God is working in your life. Feel free to share any stories of how this message gave you a new perspective and hope. Email us at church at rockbrook.org to tell your story. Good morning, everybody. It's so great to be with you today. My name is Ryland. Honor to launch a new sermon series today. One of the things we do is preach in series. Uh, so we take a, a person from the Bible or a book of the Bible, an outline or a verse uh, from scripture or an issue the Bible addresses and we preach on it for several weeks. Uh, because if you wanna hear what God has to say about something, you look to his word. And I'm excited for uh, all the series that we have coming up in 2021 really, but for the next several weeks, we're going to be looking at relationships, at our relationships and see what God has to say about it. Uh, there's, we've addressed this topic a number of times in series, but here's what we're looking at uh, in the coming weeks over the next couple months. Letting go of our past, the emotional garbage we collect, a love that lasts a lifetime, helping our kids hold on to faith, being a disciple in the digital age, how to listen so that kids will speak up, how to speak so kids will listen, uh, what do you do with a toxic relationship? How do you handle it? And then um, what do you do when you've done all you can do and someone has just turned from the truth? What do you do in that case? I'd, I'd encourage you to take notes with us during this series. If you wanna go a step further, we'll have talk it over notes each week with this. Uh, there's some scripture reading on there. There's some questions and action step. And those will be available um, on the, under the message notes on the Rockbrook app. And then also at rockbrook.org slash sermons. Uh, if you, when you click on that individual sermon, there's a little resources tab with the outline and the talk it over notes. Those are the best places. Uh, we do our best to get that up Sunday afternoon, get the sermon uploaded, uh, get that there. And you can follow along with us there if you'd like. Uh, before we get into today's message, I just want to mention that we had a great annual membership business meeting last Tuesday evening. We looked back at a challenging but a fruitful year of 2020. We saw a lot of life change, a lot of blessings, uh, even broke some records in some areas of ministry, believe it or not. And Tuesday was a great night of unity as we unanimously affirmed the budget for 2021. And in the midst of unpredictable times, the church is alight, things are solid. Thank you for being a great church. You know, bad times for the world can be good times uh, for the church if, uh, if we'll keep following him. And so just thank you for being a refreshing church. You know, with everything that's going on in the world, why are we taking the time to look at our relationships? Uh, it's because they're valuable. Jesus, in the midst of everything that was going on in his life, at his time, in the things around him, invested in relationships and prayed that his people would be unified. In the New Testament, in the midst of major issues, major problems, persecution, discrimination, all manner of events, the writers take time to address relationships. Their relationships with one another, with our spouse, with our leaders, with our families, with the church, with the unchurched, believers, non-believers, and in spite of the fact today that we are more connected through technology than ever before, there is an epidemic of loneliness and relational problems in our world. The fact is that over half of Americans in poll after poll say they are lonely. And these are in every stage of life, every age of life. 
Little children say, I'm lonely. Grade school kids say, I'm lonely. Teenagers say, I'm lonely. Young adults say, I'm lonely. Middle-aged married couples say, I'm lonely. Elderly people say, I'm lonely. And the people that have taken the same poll year after year say these are the worst relational numbers they've seen in decades. And so I want to introduce a series today and, and introduce why I called it refreshing relationships. I want to talk about being a refresher, a refresher to experience life again, hope again, faith again. I don't think there's anything better in scripture that sums up the idea of how to be a refresher and how this takes place than in Proverbs 11:25 says a generous person let's read this out loud together actually a generous person will prosper whoever refreshes others will be refreshed one more time if you're joining online say it out loud there too here we go a generous person will prosper whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. So interesting that Proverbs, the book of wisdom, gives us the wisdom that being refreshed is not about getting, it's about giving. That's the opposite of what we think sometimes. Because we think sometimes it's gonna get better, I will feel better if it gets bigger, if life gets bigger, that life is in the getting. But it's only when you pour your life out to others that God pours out to you. It's just a simple, exact, truth. There's no moving it. There's no second guessing it. You fill others. God fills you. How do you live a fresh filled life filled with love, not filled with joy, not bitterness or disappointment? So often we look into our cup and that's what we're carrying is just disappointment and bitterness and it's what we find, loss. God says, I want to refresh you. Here's how it happens refresh someone else. That word refresh means to be made fresh again, to fill you up with something refreshing, to cheer up, to cool off, a blast of energy or stamina, a new joy, a breath of life. <sighs> I've been refreshed. It feels good. <sighs> that feels good. When's the last time you felt that in a relationship? Wow, that's good. God says, I want you to have that. I want you to, to enjoy that. A generous person will prosper. Whoever, <laughs> others will be, <laughs> that feels great. But I think about the world in which we live, uh, the struggles we endure, the journey we must endure. So often, uh, we're, not, we're not feeling refreshed, but we want to feel good, so we look to other things to feel good. So you think, if I could just get a bigger life, if I could get a bigger house, a bigger car, bigger opportunities, bigger containers, bigger zeros, more figures, more square footage, bigger, better, stronger, the better I'm gonna feel. And the, the more that I fill up, the more full I'll feel. But when you build things on the world, see, I've got, this is my water bottle, I love this water bottle. And I've managed to hang on to it for a long time. 
uh, regardless of how many times I've had to go to the information table and dig it out of the lost and found, uh, but I've still got it. And I like this water bottle because it's easy to fill up, but it's, it's big enough, small enough you can carry around, but it's big enough that you could take a lot of refreshing drinks and not be going back to it. Refill it all the time. And the thought is, well, if, if, if this size is good, then bigger must be better. So we get, we get bigger. And we're like, more is better. Bigger is better. But the problem is, is when you build things on the world and say, I need a bigger this, bigger that, more of this, more of that. You build things on yourself to feel good. It may, it may be bigger, but it's full of holes. And so you never get to enjoy it because it won't hold anything. And it might be bigger, but it still feels empty because it doesn't matter how big the container is. If you're being filled by the wrong thing, you're always trying to catch up. You're always trying to fill it up. And when there's holes in it, you spend all your time trying to keep it full. All your money, all your time, all your energy, all your thought, and then you don't even have the capacity to refresh someone else because you're just trying to keep this thing full and refill someone else. But here's a promise for you. Not in your nose, but right here. Emptying out your life to others and for Jesus will never leave you empty. It will never leave you empty. You're never trying to play catch up. You're never thinking, man, this is not enough. There are a lot of things that can leave you empty. Maybe you're feeling empty or frozen in the past or trapped in a cycle. Some of us are just tired. I mean, we've forgotten what it's like to be refreshed or to refresh someone else, how to be a refreshing person. And today, uh, what we'll do is we'll evaluate our relationships and see how we can be refreshing. Now, it's tempting to think about how others could be refreshing to us. Um, like, man, here's some ways, here's a list of ways you could be more refreshing to me, uh, but we can't control them. God says, though, anyway, it's the generous who, pros- it's he who refreshes others that will be refreshed. So let's just look, how did Jesus do this? I want to ask, how did Jesus do this in his life? How is he refreshing to other people? And let's just ask this in two different relationship groups. How did he refresh the acquaintances, or what I'll call the connecting relationships in his life? And then how did he do it with the deep, close relationships uh, that he was very close to day in, day out? Let's start with an acquaintance, someone who Jesus made a connection. And this is the relationship between Jesus and Zacchaeus. And uh, just here a few verses to lead up to what's in your notes. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region. Uh Uh-oh. And he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So what did he do? So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. This was a quick encounter. It was a brief encounter, a quick encounter Jesus had with Zacchaeus. The truth is that any moment can be a connecting moment with somebody. 
And let's just simply look at the actions that Jesus took with Zacchaeus and say, can we, in our efforts to become like Christ, can we model something after this? And here's what we see is that he refreshed this relationship and for us to do that, we must recognize someone. Jesus noticed Zacchaeus, he recognized him. That's the way the relationship started. In your world, do you recognize people? A new neighbor is moving down the street. It's stopping and seeing something about someone. We're so busy and we're a little bit more isolated now. It's powerful to remember a name, to remember a person, to recognize someone. It communicates, I care, I'm interested. It's the basic level of connecting that Jesus makes and we see from him, but what does he do then? You reach out. Number two, reach out. Anybody can recognize. Oh, the new neighbors moving in. Oh, I recognize this person from soccer practice. But if you don't do anything about it, it's just being nosy. <laughs> it's just keeping tabs on people. Notice Jesus, how does not, he doesn't walk through the town and say, hey, disciples, look, there's Zacchaeus. A wee little man, a wee little man is he. He's up there in the sycamore tree. No, he stops and he reaches out. And it's so interesting that it says how he reaches out. He says, we're gonna eat together at your home. Uh, that's creative. <laughs> a God in the flesh doing it uh, must be an honor. Uh, one time I had uh, a guy say, hey, can, Pastor, can I take you to lunch? on Friday. I really want to take you to lunch on Friday. I said, that's great. And, uh, he comes Friday and he says, hey, would you mind driving? Could you drive? It's, sure, no problem. That's, that's fine. We get to the restaurant. He goes, I don't have the money to pay for this. Could you pay, uh, could you buy lunch today? And it's, okay, yeah, I'd love to. And we sit down, pastor, I've just got some problems I want to talk to you about. Yeah, no joke. I'd love to talk to you about him too, right? <laughs> so if Jesus had a home, he might have invited Zacchaeus over to his home. Uh, if Jesus uh, might have bought him lunch, if he could. But I guess when the Son of God says, I'm coming to your house, he says, Zacchaeus, he loved it. Excitement, great joy. He knows who he's talking to here. But what happens if I reach out and uh, they reject. And that's going to happen, that's a part of life. Many people have been rejected. In fact, Jesus was rejected many, many times. It's just a reality that we go through. And that's why when you do this, you're taking a risk. But to enhance these friendships, to refresh these relationships, you've gotta take the risk and that's what Jesus did. I've experienced that everyone is waiting for someone to take a risk. There are so many people just like Zacchaeus. They may look good on the outside, they're successful, they're influential, but they're alone and nobody really knows them. You know what I've discovered is that everybody's got the same problems. Everyone has the same problems. But in the, in the suburbs or in the country, we hide them behind our garage doors or a big front yards, and a lot of people begin to think they don't need anyone. It's, I just don't need anybody in my life. The mantra becomes, everybody just leave me alone, then I'll be happy. I have a, a four-year-old and a one-year-old, 
and my two sons, it's just amazing how every show or movie we watch has the same theme. It's all about teamwork, it's all about friendship, it's all about uh, uh, finding common ground and overcoming something together. I mean, just everything is about together. Everything is about teamwork. It, it's the moral of every story right now, but my heart just breaks because I know as they grow older, that's not the moral of the stories. That's not the theme of the shows. I mean, John Wayne is the American hero who did not need anyone. How many John Wayne movies have you seen where he's out looking for a friend? I mean, I think it's because relationships are tough and we grow up with those themes and then we get disappointed and then we get wounded. And then we're like, well, I just want to, we fantasize about living this John McClane, Jason Bourne life that I'm gonna overcome all these people and I'm gonna overcome all the odds on my own and we just get infatuated. We exalt the value of being this solo hero. I mean, it's not going to be John Wick, chapter four, you got a friend in me. Like, that's not coming. It's all about, I got to do this, and I don't need anybody. But in the quiet hours and the darkness of some people's hearts, they climb a tree, and they look out, and they wish, they desperately wish they could journey uh, with them, and they say, I wish I had a friendship like that. I wish I didn't have to face this alone. And they live in isolation and loneliness, and, and they're waiting. Everybody is waiting for someone to take a risk, for someone to see through that facade and take a risk. Jesus risked, and the crowd turned on him. Uh, it says, but the people were displeased. He had gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. And so Jesus reaching out, it did not make these people happy. Uh, they did not, they hated Zacchaeus. Yet Jesus extended a hand and, and while they're grumbling, while they're upset, meanwhile Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor Lord and if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save those who are lost. I can't think of any greater joy than someone coming, uh, coming to me and saying, Ryland, salvation has come to my life because you introduced me to Jesus Christ or you helped me hear how much God loves me or uh, I didn't have to overcome this thing on my own. You've helped me uh, realize that this addiction, this problem, uh, that I can find freedom. The potential of that is incredible. It's what life is all about. I got a phone call out of the blue from someone who was part of our church years ago, and he has since moved away. And he said, I'm just driving, just driving and thinking and looking back, and I have no idea why you all at Rockbrook were so kind to me. I had nothing to offer. I was down. I didn't even like myself. He was going through relational problems, addictions, job loss. He was losing his parents. And he said, I had nothing to offer. I was losing everything. I didn't even like myself, but you guys liked me and loved me. And he just went on to tell me about his wife and his family and his job and the house that he's rehabbing and the serving that he's doing at his church. And it was just so refreshing. It reminds me that those times are worth the risk. 
that those are, con- those are connecting relationships that we can refresh. But what about the deeper relationships in our lives, the day in, the day out? How can we be a refresher to them? And I would call those uh, cultivating relationships, cultivating friendships. The word cultivating means to turn over dirt. And a good gardener will turn over their dirt all the time to keep the soil fresh. Not that I understand really anything about good gardening, but I know enough that the soil has to be refreshed for it to be healthy. Uh, The seeds of friendship cannot grow on hard, packed down dirt. The seeds of relationship cannot grow on a hard heart. It's got to be cultivated and there's gonna be some ups and downs. It's gonna get a little messy. Uh, the Bible records that type of friendship and relationship between Peter and Jesus. It was cultivated. It's amazing to just read through the Gospels through the lens of, of Jesus and Peter's relationship. The, in the midst of those ups and downs, uh, Peter is always mentioned in the top three friends of Jesus. There were 12 disciples, but look at this in Mark 14. You see this all over. There's always Peter, James, and John. And in this instance, the night before Jesus, it's the night before Jesus was to be put on the cross, it says he took Peter, James, and John with him and he became deeply troubled and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. During the difficult times of Jesus' life, uh, he had his go-to friends, Peter, James, and John. Peter's one of them. What's unique about this friendship, about this relationship. How was Jesus a refresher to Peter? Well, what you see Jesus do is, number one, encourage. He encouraged Peter. This, this friendship needs encouragement. It's one of the most powerful ways to breathe, li- breathe life into a relationship, to be a refresher. Jesus encouraged Peter in a very real and powerful way uh, by changing his name, before he called, was called Peter, he was called Simon. Jesus says, I've got a, a better name for you. Now I say that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Wow, what an encouragement. Now, Peter here, uh, it, Petros, it means rock. The disciples had to be shocked. They knew how Peter was volatile and impulsive encouragement is seeing something in someone and calling it out, bringing it to light. Is that a big deal? Yes. I mean, you read about Peter, first sermon he preached, 3,000 people were believed and baptized. That's the start of the early church. You and I, we can't see into people's futures. We can't change their name, but we can see something in someone and say it and encourage them. This seems obvious, this seems like, well, duh, but (laughs) I talk to a lot of people who will say amazing things about their friends, or I'll sit in a small group and hear someone say something amazing about their wife, and have you told them that? Have you told them that? No, they already know that. Or this is my favorite, I don't want them to get a big head. (laughs) Like you're in charge of their ego or something like that. Here's an action step for this week, a one-week challenge. Not for the year, not even for this whole series. But this week, if you, if you think something positive, say it. If you think a, a way your job has been a benefit, a blessing uh, in this season to you, relationships, if you think something positive this week, say it. Be a refreshing person. If there's a way uh, your spouse 
is, is doing it. Maybe some people, they haven't encouraged someone in their life that way in so long. Just pop the bubble this week. It might be awkward even, but pop the bubble and encourage them. Be a refresher. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. What else do we learn from Jesus and Peter in their cultivating relationship uh, is number two, confront. I must confront. There's an upside of the relationship, there's a tough side. And if this is truly a cultivating a close, deep relationship and you have encouraged, you've earned the right to confront. Confrontation is healthy. It can be, if you approach it the right way, for relationships, for a friendship. Proverbs says, wounds from a friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. And sometimes what happens though, the truth hurts. There's wounds from that. You have love and truth. We like love, it's soft, uh, we can, we can, it's subjective, you can even define it to a degree on your own, but truth is harder. Truth is something you have to submit to. And the Bible says that friends sharpen friends with the truth. Here's what's typical uh, in, in a non-confronting, in a relationship that never has a confrontation, is we fail to confront and then we hold grudges against the person for not changing. I think about this, we don't say anything, but then we hold it against them for doing something harmful or hurtful. You, you either confront or let it go. Because, it, it, but if you, if you don't do one of those, you end up backing away and instead of being a refresher to the relationship, it, it breaks the cycle of a healthy friendship. But if a friendship is to grow, it can endure some truth. It can endure uh, some fires, some tough times. You stand for truth. How did this, when did this happen between Jesus and Peter? Uh, well, Jesus began uh, telling them about how the Son of Man is going to suffer many terrible things. He just walked through what was going to happen. He said, I'm going to be rejected by the elders, the leading priests, the teachers of religious law. He, says, he said he would be killed, but three days later, he would rise from the dead. And as he talked about this openly with the disciples, Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. What did Jesus say to Peter? What did he confront him with? He said, you are seeing things from merely a human point of view, not from God's. That's the confrontation and sometimes you have to confront. Sometimes you've gotta say, look, you're seeing this from, from not a full point of view, from not God's point of view. Now, just before this, he called him Satan. I wouldn't. But uh, what do you do when someone you've confronted, you've worked on it, you've done all you can do, and they've just turned from the truth uh, and they reject it? We will go there. We'll talk about that in this series. Uh, but what's the third thing that we learn from Jesus and how he's refreshing to Peter? And that is, I must be loyal. Jesus didn't gossip up about Peter. Uh, when he had an issue with Peter, he took it to Peter. Uh, Jesus didn't throw Peter under the bus. He didn't uh, take off in a boat real quick before Peter could notice. Um, he, he addressed things directly with Peter, not with other people about Peter. That's loyalty. Do you know what the worst day of Peter's life was? It's not when he was persecuted. It's not when he was killed. The worst day of Peter's life is when he denied Jesus. And he was not loyal to his savior. Uh, Jesus had called him rock. And Peter denied him. But Jesus was loyal to Peter even when Peter was not loyal to him. 
And of course, they had to uh, refresh their relationship. They had to renew it. They had to have a come to Jesus meeting, literally, and, and work through that. But Peter went on to be the rock Jesus knew he could be. And these are some ways for us to be a refresher to others. Where do you find the energy to do this, though? Maybe you're just exhausted in your relationships, thinking, I, Rylan, I don't know if I can saddle up for this series. I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can make it in these relationships. Where's the energy gonna come to be able to do this? You cannot do it on your own. How could Jesus be such a refreshing friend? It's because he knew God. It's because he was connected to God. It's because he worshiped God. It's because he experienced the relationship and friendship that brought a refreshment to him that enabled him to refresh these dysfunctional people he was around. The the power starts when you and I are connected with him. When the friendship that you and I have with God It starts there, it refreshes us to give us the potential to have hope for our relationships and to refresh others. Romans 5, 11, so now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us, say these three words with me, friends of God. That's what God says you are, that you are a friend of God. How, how do I start a friendship with God? I'll tell you how I did it many years ago. I took this seriously and I said, Jesus Christ, I want you to be Lord of my life. Right now, I'm Lord of my life, I'm Lord of my relationships, I want you to be Lord of all. And you come to him and say, God, I am empty, I don't have anything in me to refresh someone else, would you fill me up, would you invade my life? Amos 9, 11, I love this, I will restore, I will rebuild it as it used to be. I love all the re-words. God is a God of the re-words. That prefix means again. Oh, I guess it's over, I guess I've lost, I guess I've sinned, I guess I'm damaged. No, God says I can rebuild you, I can refresh you, I can refill you, I can restore you, I can renew you, I can redeem you, I can restart your life. There is power in the re-words of God. And he can do those things in your life. Let's turn to him now. Would you pray with me? Lord, we need you. Uh, We need you with us. We need to be refreshed. Uh, Because it's rough. It's, It's difficult. We have people in our life who they are a discouragement. They have turned from the truth. They're disloyal. They're not gonna hear this series. They don't know these things. God, they don't get it. And so, Lord, the only thing I know to do right now uh, to find the peace and refreshment that only you can give is to turn to you and say, Lord, I need your friendship. And just in the silence of your heart, say something like this, God, I want to renew and refresh my friendship with you. I confess to you that I am not worthy. I need your forgiveness. Thank you for forgiving me. Lord, come into my life. Help me get a new start. God, remind me that these things are true, that you can redeem, you can renew, you can refresh. Lord, I bring all of my failures to you, all of my relationships, all of these problems, and as much as I understand, I open my heart up to you. 
God, thank you for hearing me today. Cult relationships, people in his life that didn't get it either. And Lord, I want to turn to him and draw from his strength. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook Church. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.